All right, and welcome back to Nerd Talk. This is uh, your co-host, Micah Current, and filling in for Jordan today. Um, and today we have a very special guest, and he's a good friend of mine, a co-worker, a colleague, and just a fellow nerd. His name is Rich, and we're glad to have him. So, Rich, welcome to Nerd Talk with Jordan Holstead. Thank you for have, having me on. It's exciting to be here today. Yeah. Rich, tell us about yourself. What got you interested in nerd culture? And then we'll kind of dive into today's show. All right. Well, uh, I know it's an extensive list, but give us a little bit of a highlight of what you got. Like, was it watching A New Hope for this first time? Or was it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid? Or was it uh, a comic book that you picked up for the first time? What what got you into nerd culture? Yeah, I would say my earliest memory of nerd culture would have to be, ironically, uh, first one you mentioned, A New Hope. My dad um, showed me that when I was six. He bought the old, not the old, old VHS, but the, I think that was the re-release where it was the box set that had a uh, Vader was on a new hope. Um, Yoda was on empire and then, or no stormtrooper was on a new hope. Yoda was on the um, empire and then Vader was on the return of the Jedi box. And um, we ran through all three of those. We st- obviously started with a new hope and that was kind of dipped my toe into the nerd realm. And then from there I branched out into comic books and um, my first comic book I ever got was, I forget what number it was, but it was a Spider-Man versus the Lizard. Uh, my uncle got it for me, and I was hooked on comics from that point forward. Marvel mostly, but I will admit in the 90s, Batman was my jam as well. Mm. So um, I don't discriminate, but I definitely lean more towards the Marvel side. Um at Nerd Talk with Jordan Holstead, we're heavily Marvel too. I think Star okay. Wars kind of lies in the middle, and then DC kind of gets the the bad rap. But we all have some we have some guys that you know show up with us, and they uh, they really love uh, DC as well. I love DC. I'm with you, Rich. I'm a big uh, Batman fan. Ba- Batman's probably like top three favorite superheroes of mine. Which is funny because back when we're we're growing up, I remember DC being kind of the more premier brand. Mm-hmm. You know, pre MCU, it was. You know, the DC had the cartoons, they had the movies, they had the comics. Marvel just had the comics, and I mean, their live action was not so great. Their cartoons were pretty good, but yeah, I mean, especially, you know, if kids are listening to this, um, you know, pre-MCU, it was dark days for Marvel <laughs> before, yeah. and now it's it's Kevin Feige is the wizard that, you know, just turned Marvel, you know, into a, not only a multi-billion dollar franchise, but look at Disney plus look how many Marvel shows come out versus their Disney and star Wars offerings. It's, it's, yeah, it's star- the driver of Disney now. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of star Wars, the, um, I remember my, you know, it was a great memory that you shared because like I've shared this, uh, early on when we started nerd talk. Um, but my uncle introduced me to star Wars and I think it was the box set that you're talking about. Do you remember those like being sold at McDonald's at one point when we were kids? I remember that vaguely. I vaguely remember that. And that was like the weirdest thing, but it also was cool because it was a nerdy thing that was in the mainstream before nerd culture became pop culture. Yeah. I think they were selling, they sold star Wars, the the original trilogy in the box set. I think they sold back to the future. The, just the first one, I think they sold ET. And if I remember correctly, might've been babe, the, the movie about the pig. Um, but like they had just, it was random that when we were kids, the McDonald's sold those VHS tapes. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I uh, I just I'm very fond of Star Wars. Um, and just a little little side side story. Um, Rich and I actually worked together at Miami University in Oxford, and um, we've been friends. Uh, what was it, Rich? Twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? I think it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, is when I yeah joined Miami and. I was, was already there. You are already there. And then, yeah, you were uh, uh, very um, friendly, you know, like a very friendly personality. And I and I really didn't know anyone. You were like, you know, besides like the people in my old. And for, old and for our listen, for our listeners, um, Rich used to work in my wife's office. And yeah. then he, he, he now works in another office on campus. But um, it was kind of an interesting thing. I started in, in 2016 at Miami. You came in 17. Um, I worked in a couple of different offices. I got laid off in 2020 from Miami. You stayed at Miami, went to another office, COVID happened and shook everything up. And then I came back, uh, in 21 and have been back ever since. And you and I are in two completely different offices now than when we started at Miami and right before the world shut down, just another side, uh, fun fact, I actually performed Rich's uh, wedding ceremony the week the world or the world, the country, whatever the state shut down. Yep. So <laughs> just a random happenstance. Um, and Rich and I have been friends and we literally talk pop culture, wrestling, professional wrestling. We're both pro wrestling junkies and we talk comics and nerd culture every single day at work, um, even though we work in two different departments and two different um, offices, which uh, I hope our bosses aren't listening to this, but they probably will <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So, I'd say it's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say too, um, as well. So today, Rich, um, I, I actually messaged you earlier this week and asked if you'd be on the podcast. And today we're actually going to talk about Star Wars, but we're going to talk about The Force Awakens and we're going to talk about uh, The Force Awakens and this part of the trilogy, the newer trilogy um, that Star Wars presented back in, I think it was 2015. And um yeah, we haven't really dove into the new trilogy um, here at Nerd Talk, but we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive of the first installment of the new trilogy, which is The Force Awakens. So, Rich, after ten years of no Star Wars films, um, we're we're talking post um, episode Revenge three, Revenge, yeah, yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Um, what were you what were you expecting going into this film? Um, where were you? Were you here in Southwest Ohio? Did you go see it in the theaters? Like, what were you expecting when you went to go see The Force Awakens? Yeah, uh, funny enough. I, um, yeah, I, I was super hyped for it because I remember I was in my, when the news broke of Disney buying Star Wars, that was, I believe, 2012 or 13. It was, actually, it was probably 13. We're, we're girls. I was in, I was finishing up my, um, one, one of my senior classes and I, the news broke, oh, this is just, just bought Star Wars. And I'm thinking, first thing I thought was, aha, new movie. Cool. And then they shortly after that confirmed it. And I was like, awesome. And I, you know, a decade after, you know, the prequels, the prequels got a bad rap. Did um, you like the prequels? Were you, or are you just, a, just solely a purist? Uh, in reference to Star Wars, no, I enjoyed the prequels. I I will admit I did enjoy the prequel trilogy. I think two was my least favorite of that one. Three being my favorite, and one kind of being in that middle tier. Um, I can find something from each of those that I can enjoy, just like I can for the originals. And even though I'm not a 
the end of the sequel trilogy. I can find something each one that I like, but um, I felt the prequels were as at the time in context, uh, definitely not as strong as the original trilogy, mm-hmm. but besides one, two and three flowed very well together in the whole political, it, it was definitely more political movie focusing on that side ramping up to the dark side, which then leads into, of course, a new hope. Um, but you're, I feel you're talking about Palpatine's rise to power and everything. Yeah. Like that, because right? really, because yeah. really besides Anakin, the only other, not the only other, but the other key plot point you have to get to is the empire obviously mm-hmm. is taken over by that point. And so that's a big focus. And um, of course that ties in with the whole chosen one Vader Anakin storyline. And I, I felt at the time, when I watched episode one as a kid, I enjoyed it more because of it was definitely, I think, skewed more towards the younger crowd. So I just ate it up. But as an adult, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, this, this is this is definitely geared towards the younger crowd. And it was kind of like, OK, this is a little different. And then two bored me to death. But I appreciate that they try to do a political movie in a science fiction film. Yeah, they mixed the two together. Yeah, and that was very interesting, even though it wasn't my thing. And then, of course, three was just a cool spectacle because it was everything we've all, as a Star Wars fans, waited for to see Anakin. Be, how did he become Vader? We saw that exactly in um, the suit and all that. That was cool. And then, you know, of course, original trilogy is legendary. Um, modern nerd culture, you know, it, has helped that series help bring nerd culture to the forefront for the old school people. And I think Marvel is kind of doing that now for the younger crowd, but this was our, you know, for nerds, this was like our, for us mm-hmm. from, you know, from the mainstream, because now nerd culture and pop culture kind of one and the same, but back then it was like, you had your mainstream action flicks and things like that. And then you had star Wars, which was mainstream, but it was also developed by science fiction nerds for science fiction nerds. Hmm. So we're, so Rich, you're from Southwest Ohio, Fairfield, yeah. Cincinnati area. Like mm-hmm. you, you're born and raised here. You live here now. You got married here. You work here. Um, yep. Where were you when you went and saw the force awakens? Were you here? Did you go see it in like Westchester or Cincinnati? Yeah, or I, I saw it in uh, AMC Westchester opening night. It was around, I think it was 11 PM showing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I, uh, me, uh, my friend and I went um, 11 p.m. packed theater. My single seat was open. We had, we were, it was hot, sweaty, but it was great. It was uh, it was an experience because it was all these Star Wars fans just, you know, we're all experiencing this new trilogy for the first time. And it was in over 10 years since they've done a well, film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not just that, but then we, we saw three generations of star Wars fans there. Like we saw older people with like middle-aged people than the kids. And it was, it was really cool to see that. And it was kind of like, you know, it was just a cool spectacle and, you know, the excitement of, yeah, this, what, what are we building up to after a decade? What, what is this new star Wars going to look like without George Lucas at the helm for the first time ever? Yeah. Um, Regardless whether he directed something, he wrote, or had a hand in the first six. Yeah. Um, I think, 
so we were living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. And I remember Alicia buying me tickets, my wife buying me some tickets to go see this. And she went to see it with me. And um, I remember I was having a hard time getting tickets to go see it opening night. And we did. We ended up landing tickets by some miracle. But like every website was crashing. We were we were so uh, we were like frantic trying to get tickets. So thankfully, we were able to land them. And I remember going in and seeing it in a, in a really nice IMAX theater. The one memory that I have um you know keep in mind this is episode seven this is after return of the jedi not knowing really what to expect there was a little kid behind us in the row behind us and she said to her dad i sure hope yoda's in this film and i'm like did you even watch the original trailer oh. <laughs> but she's she couldn't have been like eight right and she's yeah. asking about yoda so she had no idea um so yeah. like you're saying there's a whole new generation of uh of fans right there were multiple generations there was the older generation who saw the original trilogy our generation who saw probably the original trilogy plus the prequels and now we're getting into another generation of fans getting to see uh disney's crack at what star wars is supposed to look like in you know 2015 and you know moving forward so what were you expecting when you went to see this did you see the trailer beforehand i did so what did and... you think of what were you expecting were you expecting like the traditional Star Wars kind of film where we're expecting Disney to just like say, screw it. We're going to just, we're going to give it our own shot and it's going to be completely different and off the wall. I was expecting honestly it to be more original than it turned out to be. Um, I There's a lot of argument that this one is a lot like a new hope. It's basically a new hope in 2015. Yeah. 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 And, and and we'll, we'll get into that, but um, yeah, I, looking at the trailer and the way it was cut and with all the new characters and you don't, you don't really see old characters. You see, I mean, besides Han and Chewie, it's like everyone went nuts when we saw that. We're like, yes, we got some original cast back, but it was mm-hmm. like, I was expecting a lot different. And it's like, okay, these characters that they're introducing now, they weren't in at the time. They weren't part of what's now the, the legends universe, but what used to be called the old extended universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like cool new original characters. Let's see what happens. Like it was, it, it's exciting because it, it's always fun to see something fresh. So and, were you, you know, expecting to see? Were you expecting to see some of those characters? Like I think in the trailer they showed. Did they show Han or or, or Chewie or any of those? I don't yeah, because not the initial trailer, but later on, I believe it was a Comic Con trailer. They showed um, Chewie and Han, I think. Yeah, because they said Chewie were home, and then they showed the Falcon, and then mm-hmm. that's when, okay, the old schoolers were on board, and I think it leaked out with Carrie Fisher being on board too. So it was like, okay, and then Mark Hamill, of course. Did you did you expect to see Luke in this film? Like even from like seeing the movie at the top, reading the script, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, like reading that initial script. Did you expect to see Luke, or was you? maybe wait seeing if they were going to wait until the next movie or whatever to, to actually get to him. I expected him in like, honestly, I expected to see him a lot earlier in the film, but that was before the scroll. Then once uh, we were in the theater, the, the opening scroll started happening. And then I was like, Luke has gone missing. And I'm like, what? And yeah. then I'm like, Oh, are we not going to see him? And I would say a good majority of that film, like we're getting towards the end there. And I'm like, are they even going to do seen it? Luke? Yeah. Are we going to do this? And then, uh, you know, we'll talk about that too. Eventually at the end, they do show the reveal. I'm like, and then cut. And I'm like, 
Oh, we have to wait? Are you serious? Yeah, and then we're not even going to mention episodes eight and nine in this, <laughs> this episode. But one of my, if I had a favorite part about episode eight, sorry, Will, shout out to Will on your left. He's one of our other co-hosts, but um, he's a big fan of seven, eight, nine. And um, one of my favorite parts in episode eight was when you finally get back to Luke Skywalker in the beginning of episode eight, and Luke just chucks the lightsaber. <laughs> just see it. i was like i was like i'm not gonna lie i was low-key like a little like are you for real like yeah like bro she just went through all this all that to, to get to you <laughs> and nope don't care it's kind of like yoda though if you think about it in the empire strikes back yoda like could care less like luke came to see him at the beginning very true so very true he is kind of like the new yoda in that sense yeah yeah um you know, we're talking about like our expectations of what we were, you know, expecting in this movie, you know, being a brand new movie after 10 years of no Star Wars. Um, how do you think they did with introducing new characters? Were you happy with that? Were you sad? Were you excited to see new characters? Like I'm talking like Ray and Poe and um, even Kylo Ren, other characters. Like what was your impression? I, I honestly like knowing you know oscar isaacs is as moon knight now obviously we did a podcast on that a couple months ago but like he's a phenomenal actor and then like if you're casted to do star wars then you must be talented because like you're branded for life essentially Mm -hmm. like think of carrie fisher harrison ford mark hamill um but like i fell in love with ray my wife loves ray like and even the the little theme that john williams did with her uh throughout the trilogy like it's just it's so captivating and i think that they did a good job of introducing the characters what do you think yeah i mean that was and i think it goes back to that star wars i don't say tradition but it kind of is a little bit because remember the original trilogy having carrie fisher um mark hamill and harrison ford they were relatively you know they were all unknowns and they became Mm -hmm. stars because and i think they were trying to kind of replicate that and I think they did a good job of that because, yeah, at the time, Oscar Isaac, I believe the only thing I saw him in pre this, trying to remember, um, was it X Men? Apocalypse. He had Apocalypse didn't come was out that until after like seventeen or eighteen. I was don't it? think. I think so. Um, we can look that up. But yeah, um, he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, I actually just looked it up. So 2016. So yeah, this would have been the first thing I've seen him in. I think it was the first thing that I saw him in as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I ever saw a movie with... And if I did, I didn't notice he was in it like he wasn't a starring role. So, and of course, uh, Daisy Ridley as Ray. Uh, This is her first big break. Same with... What did you think uh, of her? Ray? Uh, I I liked her. Yeah. I, I liked her in the first film. I actually liked her throughout the whole series, despite what you know, later on what mm-hmm. happened now in the series, but then as the series got more divisive, it seemed like people kind of turned on Ray. And I never felt that urge to kind of like, I just never understood why, like, I think I'll, I'll give you, turn. I'll give you my thought. Right. And you can give me, you can follow up. I think Rich, but like, I think that, um, I think what it was, was there was this whole theory, right. That in the force awakens, that Kylo and Ray were going to be siblings and they were going to be Han and Leia's kids. 
there was this this early on there was kind of this rumor that they were going to be twins because luke and Leia were twins and everybody thought leading up to that that they were going to be siblings and then you know kind of like she was going to turn him from the dark side which eventually she does right like she makes right. like he makes that decision in episode nine but um i think people were disappointed in the direction that they took ray's character and that's why they quote unquote turned on her do you do you think that there's validity to that yeah yeah and the way she ultimately ended up for sure but i had a friend that theorized all the way back in episode eight that basically theorized the twist of ray at nine mm-hmm. and i and everyone he, he posted on facebook i and um I remember a comment. I'm like, there's no way. Like, this is insane. This is, and he laid it all out. And I was like, it makes sense, but this just doesn't make sense. At the same time, there's no way they would do something this divisive. And then it happened. I was like, huh, well, I was wrong. And, you know, a lot of us were wrong because I bought into that theory too of them being either siblings or they would, you know, they would probably or cousins or somebody was going to, they, they were going to like, or even just because they'll, they'll both become love interest and she'll pull them over or whatever. But yeah, I never saw, you know, her lineage being what it ultimately became. I thought, yeah, she was for sure a Skywalker. And well, there was also rumors too, that she could have been K- Kenobi's like granddaughter or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Kenobi theory, which makes sense to a degree. Um, but I'm kind of glad they did what they did because it kind of still brings that whole chosen one arc back into it and kind of transferred it from Anakin to her. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it was just fresh and different. I think that's what this new series really needed. And this movie in particular was definitely not that, which, which I get why they made that decision. Um, but as far as the characters, I thought, what about yes, Finn? Like, we didn't talk about Finn at all. What do you think about Finn? Yeah. Oh, Finn. I, I actually love Finn the most. In episode seven, he was hysterical. I watched it. Yeah. I rewatched this movie before we were, uh, recorded like yesterday, and I just couldn't get over how funny he was. Well, not just that, but he was, it, it was a cool to see a stormtrooper who just didn't fall in line, who was like, all right, this is wrong, abandons his post, and then it which takes a lot of guts to do because now he's got the whole empire on him and he's just this ordinary guy who he's not a Jedi. He doesn't have force powers. He, you know, he just wants to do the right thing. Yeah. And you know, by some standards, some people were calling him a coward and I'm like, well, I mean, running away from battle. Yeah. Technically, if you want to go in like, if it's a war definition, but um, you know, he, he did the right thing and he risked a lot by turning on the, or the first order in this case and you know and then he of course meets up with poe they crash on jakku meet ray that's how those three come together which was a really fun way to weave you know two from one planet going to a totally different one um yeah i I felt he was definitely more of a comedy relief but it wasn't like jar jar level of he's just this joke character he was a character that had a lot of personality Mm-hmm. And he was basically kind of like um, the uh, the ev- everyman character. Like you, he was the audience that was we, thrusted in that. Like he, we, if the audience was a character, that would, that would be fit. Yeah. Uh, do you think they went too far with the comedy and made it too much like Disney and not like Star Wars with this new movie? In seven, 
I thought it was blended well in seven compared to the rest. Eight, 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 eight was when they really kind of went off the rails, I think. Yeah. Especially in the opening scene when they're in space and that it was basically battle a scene. Knock, and, knock joke. Yeah. 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 That was too much. But like there were a little, little nods here and there, like where, uh, especially when you're talking about Finn, like Finn's like, why does everybody want to go back to Jakku? Like mm-hmm. that was funny because it's not, you know, they're trying to get away from, you know, the Empire and trying to get away from, I'm yeah, sorry. not go back to him. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the first order. Um, because in this one, you know, these this trilogy, they you know, the first order of resistance, it was it wasn't the rebellion versus the empire kind of thing. Um, it was just different names and different branding. But um, but yeah, there was there was some moments where there was some slapstick comedy that wasn't overdone, but at the same time, like um like when 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 C3PO comes out and has the red arm and he's like, goodness. Like I laugh every time I see that because of how awkward <laughs> it is because Han and Leia are having that moment and it's typical C3PO and um, just ruining the moment, <laughs> ruining the moment. Yep. So, um, and then Chewie, like the part I noticed when I was rewatching it yesterday is one of my favorite parts of the movie when they're uh, out in the cold on that planet right before the end of the movie. And uh, they're um, Finn and Han are like going back and forth and, Han's like, that's not how the force works. And Chewie's back there griping. And he's like, really? You're cold? And, you know, of course, Chewie's a Wookiee and he's covered in fur. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's amazing. So uh, speaking of other characters, you know, we have a whole new cast of characters. We have some of the old characters, but mainly new characters. And, you know, Darth Vader is, if not the the, the baddest of the bad villains of all time um you know those are some big shoes to fill rich what what do you what were mm-hmm. your thoughts on kylo ren and the relationship between him and darth vader was it too big of an ask for him to be like vader um was there too much pressure on him both as the as as adam as it adam driver as the character and then you know, him in the movie to be like Vader. I know he's not Vader, but like he, you know, we learned that he's the grandson of Vader. What what were your thoughts on Kylo Ren and, you know, how he was portrayed in this movie and then in this trilogy? Yeah, especially talking about Vader first off, it's like, yeah, it's like out of nerd culture, Vader is, in my opinion, the quintessential villain. He's up there. And like he transcends so many different mediums and just, the prototype of what a villain is now is, I mean, a lot of it can be traced back to him. And I mean, just such a cool character too, because, you know, from not just being this really cool villain who was, you know, really unstoppable to the dynamic of him being this powerful guy, but beneath all of that exterior was just this old guy who was really not weak, at least in the force, he wasn't weak. He was physically weak. And it was that, that was a cool duality, but you know, just the iconic imagery of this imposing dark silhouette with this red saber. And then you have Kylo Ren, who with the original with the original trailer when they first hyped it up, they were very sparse with him. Mm-hmm. I felt that was really cool because there was a lot of mystery there. And I, I was super hyped. I was on the Kylo Ren bandwagon. I was like, He's not going to be as good as Vader, but I think he might be close. That was where I that, that was my mindset. I was like, okay, they they have to establish this new villain. This guy is going to, and then I, 
never saw an Adam Driver movie, but you know, so much chatter about him with the hype when they cast him. They were like a lot of people that knew movies he was in were like, okay, this dude is actually really good. He's an independent actor. He can definitely pull this off. And then the movie came out. The first scene establishes him great. You know, establishes him. I when would he say, stops that laser beam, you're like, oh, it's on. Yeah, it's even better than Vader because Vader just, you know, when he first makes his entrance, he has stormtroopers flanking him. Granted, Kylo has his stormtroopers flanking him too, but he just picks up a guy. You know, he doesn't, he chokes him. Yeah, he's also seven foot compared to that guy who's probably what five, you know, five foot eight. Mm-hmm. And Kylo isn't that physically imposing like Vader was, but it was like his raw strength and force just stopping that beam. And then he holds his hand up and then he lets it go down. And that beam is still there. And I'm like, okay, this dude is really in tune with the force. And he's angry. And that, that was the first thing was he was very angry. And I was like, okay, this is different because Vader is more cool, calculated angry but he wasn't like emotional about it so this guy wore his emotions on his sleeve and you can kind of hear that in his voice when he was uh demanding from the old guy the the plan you know the not the plans but the, the, the same the same trope but yeah the map the skywalker which was was a piece of the puzzle yeah, yeah yeah and he's very anxious about it when he asks him that very impatient and i'm like okay this is an interesting take on a villain and it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, kind of going off the rails here a little bit, but like uh, in Kenobi, when the third sister wants nothing but to get to Kenobi, like yeah. she's super anxious and she really just wants to get to Kenobi. And like, you know, her impatience is, you know, ultimately, you know, her demise. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And very, very fair similar to Kylo because um, it was like he was the anti Vader almost, but he wore that I the iconography of Vader because he was definitely inspired by him uh, with, you know, he, he didn't wear a cape, but when you look at his silhouette, it even with, with the hood on, it still made that kind of dark. It was obviously a dark shadowy figure with a red saber, mm-hmm. but his helmet too, obviously it takes inspiration from Vader, but then the front, the face mask looks completely original, which I thought the design was really cool for that. And the mm-hmm. saber too, uh, it being having a hilt to it, kind of like a sword, and it being unstable was cool because of how his character was. But his introduction was great, and then he started talking, and I was like, "Okay, it's not a voice I was expecting, even with the voice changer." Okay, and then it really wasn't until when he took his mask off the first time. I'm like. Why were okay, this? he doesn't need the mask. My question in my head went to, why is he wearing a mask if he doesn't need it? Mm-hmm. Vader needed it. Um, yeah, course, and that's the other that's the other piece of it, right? Like Vader was all machine yeah. because of everything that he went through uh, with Obi Wan. So um, yeah, keep going. Sorry. Oh no, no, you're good. And then it, I mean, I kind of, and then I, I kind of, you know, I just I'm catching myself here. I caught myself in that moment too of like, oh okay, yeah, the trailer did show. You know Vader's helmet, and obviously he looks up to Vader. So why why wouldn't he use the, you know, the symbol of Vader, which essentially was his mask, to you know take inspiration from? But he, a lot of the movie he didn't wear it. Yeah, and you saw his face, and it was like, oh, 
you're not intimidating. <laughs> and then his voice was not as intimidating. I'm like, oh, this is a du- this is a duality here. And as much as I like Adam Driver in this movie, uh, his acting wasn't bad. The character was just written in a way of too whiny. And yeah, I, I think that I can really see that. Kinda, it, it, it takes a character from being really cool to like, oh, this this guy could have been a good succession of Vader. Now he's just kind of great value Vader. Right. So, so a couple of things. I mean, you make some very, very good points, and, and the majority of them, if not all of them, I agree with you on. Um, I think the struggle, the two struggles, right, with Vader, between comparing Vader and Kylo, is that Vader. What I think makes Vader such a bad guy, villain, menace, terror, whatever you want to call him, whatever adjective you want to describe him, is that he. Um, early on was very methodical, right? Rich, you and I are huge wrestling fans. One of the biggest, uh, one of your favorite all-time wrestlers is The Undertaker. Um, in the yeah. early 90s, it's been you know documented that he did stuff very methodically and very slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, every move he did, every strike he did, every vignette, every you know promo. Vader was the same way early on in the trilogy. He just kind of like, he walked into the room and he he demanded people's attention, right? He demanded people's uh, respect, and he did very little with a less is more approach. Now, Kylo came out swinging in The Force Awakens. Like, he threw temper tantrum after temper tantrum, and he's, like, choking people and slicing up the spaceship and uh, just very uh, erratic, Um Granted, we really don't know the story between the Return of the Jedi and um, a Force, the Force Awakens to, to the path of what happens to Kylo and why he is the way that he is. Um, they don't really give us a lot of that backstory, especially in the Force Awakens. So I can see, you know, maybe there's some backstory as to why he is the way he is, but also um the whole costume design slash helmet, which the mask, which is, which is what you were talking about just a few minutes ago, but like, there's really no point in it. Right. Because, but if you've watched star Wars, if you watched all of the star Wars movies, and if you know the story, Obi-Wan and Anakin get into it and Anakin cuts off his legs and he's basically, he catches fire in a volcano, Rich. And he's, <laughs> there's pretty much nothing left of him except for his face. And yeah. what little was left of his face it's completely uh, burned up and, you know, he, he's basically a, a charcoal, a piece of charcoal by the time it's all said and done. So <laughs> if you remember in um, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, I think it is when Obi-Wan talks to Luke and says, you know, he's mostly machine now, which that's accurate. Vader has to wear the suit to stay alive. Like, and, and Luke even tells him in Return of the Jedi, uh, when at the end of Return of the Jedi, after they kill the Emperor, well, quote unquote, kill the Emperor, um, Darth Vader's like, Anna, or Luke, take my mask off. And he's like, but you'll die. And he's like, it's inevitable. But like, the whole point is that without the mask and uh, the suit, he's nothing because he would, he would die. It's keeping him alive. So, all that to say, Rich, like, there were so many like parallels in the look, but it didn't match up with the reality of why Darth Vader was the way he was 
aesthetically, physically in that present moment, like as a person, as a, you know, post uh, Revenge of the Sith, when he, you know, becomes Darth Vader because he needs that stuff to, to stay alive. So, um, you know, we talk about, we've talked about Vader, we talked about Newcastle, we talked about Oldcast in this movie because we um, have to bring in a new generation of fans, a new generation of stars, new generation of stories. Um, there were some old cast members and new cast members in this movie. We've talked about them like Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill comes back as Luke Skywalker, um, Leia, obviously Carrie Fisher. And then we have Harrison Ford as Han Solo. We learn in this movie, um, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, and if you haven't, then, you know, it's your own fault. That's been what, what is it? Seven, years. <laughs> seven years, Rich. It's, it's, <laughs> so this is a uh, spoiler alert, but we learned that um, Kylo Ren, is the offspring of Han Solo and Princess Leia. Um, and I, again, spoiler alert, Han Solo dies in this film. Um, Rich, what is your thought on them killing some of the older cast off, um, basically movie by movie in this trilogy, but you know, specifically in The Force Awakens, we, we learn that Kylo is the offspring, um, the son of uh, Han and Leia, and then Towards the end of the movie, um, he he stabs his father with a lightsaber. There's also some theories that 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 he he pressed the the button himself. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's there's validity in that or not. But Rich, Han tell me your thoughts again. <laughs> yes, Han shot first again. Um, Rich, tell me your thought about your thoughts on you know how, what were your thoughts on them killing Han Solo? What were your thoughts on um, them killing some of the older cast off movie by movie? And then like. Uh, was it necessary or yeah, just give me your overall thoughts. Um, was it necessary? No, but I loved it. Did you I see the heel it. turn coming? I, with, with Kylo? I did only because it's like, man, there's no way you, you can have this guy turn good already. He was already trying to be bad and he wasn't filling those shoes of Vader. And so like, yeah. he had to do something to prove yeah. himself. And I felt like in that moment, I loved it for a few reasons. The first one was, all right, this 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 kicked this guy up a notch. All right, now he's getting to that Vader level. Sweet. And I'm going to say something pride pretty divisive. And I, I've i always felt this way. And I'm not going to. It's kind of like that that uh, Joker meme. I'm tired of pretending. Um, I think Han Solo is an overrated character. Uh, you know, I mean, it's he's he's beloved. But I'm like. He's cool. He's the cool guy. But as far as character development, I mean, he went from yeah, he went from bad to good. Like a you know, a few characters in this series, but he's very generic in that in that res, in that respect. I and I felt like too, you know, knowing the backstory of the production of Star Wars going all the way back to Empire, Harrison Ford has one has been wanting to kill off Solo for so long, and um to finally see it happen it was kind of like okay finally we don't have to endure this for another movie in this franchise are they gonna you know is han coming back okay cool we we know the answer now but i mean really the rub that kylo got from killing han instantly people hate him if they didn't hate him already because he was whining they hate him because he killed their their favorite character which mission accomplished it was great <laughs> like you need to and kind of use a wrestling analogy. 
you have to you can't rely on these legendary characters. You can't rely on old, old legendary characters to carry your product. So you got to establish the new ones. And what better way of, you know, Han Solo passing the torch to, you know, his son, essentially. Um, you know, that, in that moment, Harris Ford is kind of passing the torch to Adam Driver, like, all right. The ball's yours, kid. Take it. Run yep. with it. And now he, yeah. And um, so there was that, but. Rich, one of my favorite parts in that entire movie is when shortly after Kylo uh, stabs Han with a lightsaber when Chewie shoots him with the gun. That's one of my favorite parts in that movie. Yeah. Because Chewie was like, I'm going to get me some. I've been loyal to Han this entire time. You kill my kill my best friend, I'm going to get me some of that. That was one of my favorite parts in that movie. Well, not just that, but remember, Chewie's crossbow, the way that's been established in Star Wars lore, that thing's powerful. Mm-hmm. And it takes out stormtroopers like no other. And granted, it's not saying much, but Kylo takes that blast and he's like, he's knocked back, but it's like, that doesn't even keep him down. I'm like, dang, this dude is, this dude's strong. Mm-hmm. I thought that really kind of built him up too. And okay, we're starting to get to this level of, okay, this guy's really, he's really a Sith. You know, he's on that Sith level now. He's not Vader yet, but I mean, he's, he's racking him up now. And you know, and just like they, they killed some of the other legendary characters in the series, it all needed to happen for this new cast to succeed. Because mm-hmm. totally if they, if you rely too much on the old, you're just re, you're basically rehashing the old with a new coat of paint. Right. And the only way for these new characters to succeed is if they use the old characters to kind of give them you know, kind of make them look good for a little bit and then they go on their separate way. Do you have to kill them? No, but it's the most, it's the easiest way to be able to tell the audience, hey, we're going all in on these new characters. You know, if you don't like that, get off now because all the old ones are going bye-bye, basically. Yeah. And I, I, to a degree, I felt Han, it was a mutual thing, but I felt like later it started becoming killing legendary characters to kind of stick it to the audience because the audience's reception post episode eight. And it kind of felt like there was kind of a battle between studio and audience. And I think that's when it kind of got into a realm of, okay, you didn't have to kill Leia late. You know, they could have, they could have, you know, I mean, you didn't have to really kill Luke either, but. I guess that's kind of, you know, kind of like Vader and not Yoda before him and um, Obi-Wan before him, you know, the master and Qui-Gon, you know, the master dying so the Padawan can succeed. They're going through that whole trope, which I would have liked if Luke would have stayed till nine, but I get why they they didn't. But as far as seven, I thought, you know, going, taking Ben Solo, a.k.a. Kylo Ren, killing his dad. Hey, that's the most Sith thing you can do. Yeah. Loved it. Um, it's kind of a simple question, but was this film too similar to A New Hope? You know, I've asked, you know, several of my friends, you included, Jordan and I have talked about this. Uh, Chad, uh, Miami guy that I work with in my office, we talk about Star Wars all the time, and he's a big Star Wars fan. Um, was this film too similar to episode four? I guess my answer to this before you give me yours is yes. The premise is, is, is very similar. Um, and something that I noticed 
uh, and just doing my rewatch before we did this episode, Rich, was that, yes, this was the first film since 2005. Technology's become such a long way. CGI is the way of life now in any kind of, uh, you know, movie creation, especially comics and Star Wars and any kind of space odyssey. Um, I'm going to ask, so two, two, two questions, right? First question, was this too similar to New Hope? And then to follow up with that question, Rich, was this too clean of a movie aesthetically is what I mean by that. Because like I was rewatching it and it, it, it almost just feels like it's too, it looks too clean, right? Like you're, you're used to seeing the dingy, grungy, dark, dirty looking Star Wars from like, you know, the original trilogy and even the prequels. Um, one of my favorite things about the newer ones is how cool they make the lightsabers look in 2000. 15 or 2020 or 2022 or whatever they just look so much cooler because of cgi um mm-hmm. but what are your thoughts was this movie too similar to a new hope and uh was it too quote-unquote clean uh in respect to editing yeah um similar to new hope yeah i mean at this point stevie wonder can see it i mean it's like it's but is i would say the question is uh, similar New Hope, yes. But I think a counter question to that would be is that a bad thing? And I would say probably not. I kind of had to set the tone somehow. Yeah, I would say as far as like a, a, a reintroduction of Star Wars to a new generation, probably not. But being, you know, being a cre- you know, creative mind and all that, it's like could they have done more? Yeah. And I think as an older, as a person who saw the prequels in theater, as they came out, I saw the originals in theater with my dad um, as they re-released them in the nineties. And then seeing this one in theaters, I was expecting something different with a little bit of familiarity, but for it to be, very so close with you know everything from bba is holding the plans to luke which is the equivalent of r2 with the ob1 plans to you know luke's on this desert planet ray's on this desert planet uh, now he now, was do you think that they would have gave eight and nine less crap if they would have went a completely different direction with seven yeah, but that was without them being yeah. so similar to a new hope. Like, is that what you're saying? Like, if this movie would have been a completely different plot, story, location, similarities aside, um, would it have been would they have given eight and nine less crap because it could have been a completely different movie and a completely different trilogy? Yeah, but I, I kind of it, it, it's 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 not say hard to explain, but it's it's hard to say either, either which way because eight and nine, seven, eight, nine were all written by different teams directed by different people. Well, seven and nine were directed by the same person, but um, originally it was written by, you know, three separate teams, just like the, the original trilogy was too. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the issue. I think the issue was there four five and six had a cohesive plan from beginning to end. And then yeah, three different teams wrote them, but it had a plan. Seven, eight, nine didn't have a plan. And seven was the established law. You know, JJ was, actually brought on to establish new lore, establish new characters, establish new world, which is why we got the, I think we got the 
movie we did because he was like, okay, I'll stick with the familiar so that we don't upset too many of the older fans. And A New Hope is such a classic that it'll draw new people in because they'll they'll be fascinated with it. But it just with new characters, and I think they did a great job with that. But when you're only tasked to do lore and world building, and the story kind of became and I'll say an afterthought, but it's just like okay, let's just rehash New Hope, but here's the new ground rules, and then you have the next installment take those ground rules and chuck them out the window. It really hurt both films because then you go back and you watch all three and you go to seven. You're like, okay, this feels like traditional Star Wars. This with a new twist to it, of course. And then what you just watch is all for nothing because the lore is kind of like, okay, well, we're going to chuck this and subvert some expectations here. And um, long and short of it is, yeah, it was similar to New Hope, but I think that was by design only because J.J. was more focused on building this new world. Hmm. He, he had a much bigger task than just direct the first Star Wars film in 10 years. It was direct the first Star Wars film in 10 years, establish the feel of this new series, and come up with some new characters that are going to carry on for the next two films to complete this trilogy. And then some, maybe. Who knows? And then some had eight and nine done better. Yeah. Right. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I struggle so much because like, I'm a Star Wars purist and, um, you know, I really enjoyed the force awakens. I just, it was cool to see Star Wars back on the big screen again. It was cool to see new characters. It was cool to see old characters. It was cool to see a similar plot line to a new hope. Didn't have to be the exact same thing, but it was close. Um, I liked the different elements of, you know, when they're at the end scene um, with uh, when when Kylo and and Ray are fighting um, with the lightsabers and all that good stuff, that it was cool to see the snow. Like they, yeah. I, 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 you hadn't seen snow since uh, Empire. <laughs> since Hoth, it, yeah, yeah, since the Hoth planet. Um, so it was cool just to see a different take and a different, you know, with different characters, new and old, just to kind of have that hybrid, right? Um, I think back in the day when the prequels came out, they everybody wanted to see how Anakin was going to become uh, Darth Vader, and everybody wanted to see how Palpatine was going to become this. Uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, Palpatine was going to become the the Emperor, and just like from a from a visual, like we all knew how it was going to happen. We just wanted to see how it was going to happen. So, in the Force Awakens, I thought it was a good balance, right? And so I was. I was pleasantly surprised with The Force Awakens. I think I went and saw it two or three times in the theaters. And it's one of my go-to Saturday morning movies. If I'm cleaning the house, I'll just throw it on just to watch. Um, It's just so, it was a breath of fresh air. So, Rich, what do you think about post-Episode 7? Episode seven's done. Ray finally gets the the lightsaber to Luke. Um, They find Luke. What do you where do you think they should have gone after episode seven? Episode eight is is a pretty controversial film. We don't have to go into the details of episode eight and how we feel about it. But uh creatively, like if you were uh, Ryan Johnson or JJ Abrams or or whoever and given the keys to the kingdom, what would you have done post uh, episode seven into episode eight? Hmm. 
Like, what would you, if you could, speaking of creative wrestling and stuff, like if you were given the book, what would you, (laughs) how would you write it for the, or or the end of the seven going into eight? Yeah, because it's really easy, you know, to sit here and, and like we've done many times, uh, you know, as we talked about episode eight, and I'll say it, I do not care for episode eight as a Star Wars film. I do think if it was in a vacuum in by itself, it's fine. Hmm. Um, it being a successor to seven and with seven establishing the, the rules, eight felt like it was trying it. Ryan Johnson, I mean, even Ryan Johnson, admitted he was trying to subvert expectations and put his spin on it, which is great when it's done in small doses. And I think it was just a whole movie of that. And it kind of threw, it felt like that movie feels disjointed from the other two, obviously, because the, the last one was directed by Abrams as well. And he kind of stuck with the tried and true method of. Do you think it would have been different if, if, if JJ would have done all three? Oh yeah. It, it would have been more cohesive. And I think that's where this, the new trilogy breaks down is at the end, by the end, with episode nine, he really didn't have to see seven or eight to really get, you know, because by nine, it's like, well, the emperor's back. Okay, well, here's this other emperor figure that we established for two movies. Well, he got killed in the second one, so, and he was just a puppet the whole time, and it's like, okay, cool, but we could have just skipped the nine and got this over with much quicker than having these detours of seven and eight. Um as far as creative direction, post seven, I would have probably, you know, I would have liked them to show more of Luke and Ben slash Kylo Ren's, um, which we saw some. I wish they would have placed a bigger focus on that because just like Anakin and Obi-Wan, that friction when Anakin went to the dark side. There was, there was that, you know, there's a similar friction there between Luke and Kylo, but we could have seen, you know, Luke could have been, you know, unlike Obi-Wan and not give up on, you know, Vader. Um, we could have seen him try, you know, do something different, try to, you know, redeem him or 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 not. They, they may, you know, you could also go down the same path, but I think it would have been more, more interesting if they would have focused on that relationship a little bit more. And I would have loved to seen them on screen a little bit more than they were together. Um, definitely, I felt that um, Finn's character in particular would have went totally different direction. I would have kept him as maybe he would have been the successor to the Falcon, you know, the next inheritor of the Falcon. Um, it was kind of a ship that was used as a transport vehicle for all all of them, but I felt like he, I would have turned him more into a Lando character. Mm-hmm. Lando slash Han Solo kind of combined them. Um, you know, he went from being the stormtrooper to, you know, even episode eight, he goes on these rag, you know, his ragtag adventure with Rose, which was disjointed, messy. I didn't care for it, but if you could salvage that, you could make the case of, okay, he kind of got this taste of, you know, breaking out of jail maybe he got that made that made him feel alive again now he's he's he's, he's gonna you know smuggle things because you know he feels alive when when he does it he's also doing some good things you know smug you know smuggling things around the first order he's doing something good to redeem himself that's kind of how i would take that character and then poe they i feel like poe got lost 
Yeah, Poe got very lost in the like shuffle. Like he, I loved him in the Force Awakens, and then like yeah. after after seven, and like with his the 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 comedic role that he played in the first part of Episode Eight, I was like, what are you doing with him? Like, if anybody, yeah. like he he's another one that could have been a Han Solo type character. Yeah, but I think that would that would have been expected. That and now that, that would be a way to kind of subvert expectations in a way that makes sense, but also isn't as clear cut. And then with and with Poe, I would have you know. You, yeah, you could have paired him off with Chewie, but I think it would have been cool if he would have, you know, kind of, you know, he was already a great fighter pilot and all that. Maybe he could have uh, transitioned him into like, you know, kind of a bodyguard, you know, kind of to Leia, like uh, her right, right hand, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. besides him being a great pilot, he was also good with recon. He was good with keeping secrets. And, you know, he, he'd be a good all around kind of like a, um, uh, what was um, the bodyguard to Padme? <sighs> I knew you'd ask T- me a hard question where I wouldn't know the answer. To. Tanaka, I think, was his name. Yeah, I think so. So you had him in ep- episode one was Padme's bodyguard, and then essentially, you know, Chewie kind of was for Leia in later episodes, and kind of like. You know, Poe could have been that similar bodyguard type of character, you know, but he he would have been on the front lines as well. Mm-hmm. I, I you think, know, just just do something different, but also keep it in line with the spirit of the older films. Yeah. Um, I think that there there's a lot I would have done different. <laughs> um, I you know, I'm I guess the Star Wars purist to me is coming out, but like I I wouldn't have done it exactly the same as, as the original trilogy, but I wouldn't, and I wouldn't have done it exactly as the same, uh, exactly the same as the prequels, but like, I would have kind of, like you're saying, Rich, take some sort of path and stick to the path. Cause it felt like, okay, we're going to get this traditional star Wars film in episode seven and then an eight and in nine, we're just going to go all over the place and then kind of resolve it at the very end of nine, even though we didn't really resolve it, whatever. I mean, it was just, it was just such a mess, like you said earlier, um, coming out of eight. And then by the time J.J. Abrams got it back in episode nine, it was just just this hot mess. And I'm not going to say How do you salvage anything. killing your villain, your big puppet master? Yes. Right. Like that. <laughs> that was another thing. We didn't really talk about Snoke. What was your thoughts on Snoke? I thought he was really cool until he got done. He got done in by Kylo in eight. I'm like, well... The Emperor is dead in this film already, so Kylo gets to the big bad, and it's like, oh no! The the, by the way, we're going to resurrect the we're going to resurrect the Emperor. <laughs> well, what well, I think that was JJ kind of like, oh crap, they killed my big bad, so now we got to bring back the old big bad to say that he was really the puppet master of the current of puppet, ma- you know? Yeah. yeah, and it felt, and to me, that felt like it was very knee knee jerk, but it was kind of like, um. You know, Snoke was. I, I'm I'm probably biased in that because I I like Andy Andy Circus as a uh, character actor as a character performer. For those that don't know, he played Gollum in Lord of the Rings. That was where mm-hmm. he really broke out. He also played uh, King Kong in Peter Jackson's King Kong 2005. Mm-hmm. He um, is Ulysses Claw in the Black Panther film, um, and he's Alfred in uh, the Batman. And I think he's actually a decent actor not like you know, Oscar, you know he's not gonna win any oscars but he's decent enough and his portrayal of snoke was intriguing but i felt like his character work was really cool with it mm. um 
and knowing that he had a, he actually had a pretty big hand in um, developing that character for, for JJ. And I, that, and I was like, oh man, he's finally going to get his due. He's going to really break him out. This is pre Black Panther. So I think that kind of helped bring him to the forefront to get that Alfred role. But I thought, like, yeah, he's going to really break out from this. And then it's like, episode eight, he's dead. <laughs> awesome. So, 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 yeah, I would have done two things, right? I would have had a consistent path going from seven, eight to nine. And then the other thing I really wanted to see more of, which we got like a brief snippet of it in episode nine was the Knights of Ren. Yes. Like I wanted more of the Knights of Ren and I, and I didn't get that. And that's, there are many things that I'm upset about, about episode eight and episode nine, but I wanted more of the Knights of Ren and I wanted them just to go crush everybody in their sight. And yeah. Just, and we had that weird vision in seven where you saw him for a split second and then you don't yeah, see yeah. him again until what, nine? I think nine. Yep. And they're marching through the city and that's pretty much all you get. Yeah. Um, kind of the last uh, question as we're wrapping up our time together. But if you were rating this film, um, not seeing episode eight, not seeing episode nine, uh, you can look at it one of two ways being just a, a pure Star Wars fan who's seen everything Star Wars has ever done or going in to see this film as a fresh film for the first time as a first time Star Wars fan. How would you rate this film? One being the worst movie that you've ever seen in your life or 10 being this is the greatest film of all time. What would you rate it? I'd say a solid eight and a half. Because Mm. if you're going to base it off of A New Hope, A New Hope to me, as far as a sci-fi film, it's pretty high only because it's, you know, it's a very accessible film. It's not bogged down by this, you know, too sci-fi type, you know, shtick. So this being kind of, you know, that easy accessible movie for, you know, someone that has never seen Star Wars to someone getting back into it after 10, you know, after a decade, it did what it was supposed to do, um, which is why I rate it that high because that was its mission. That's what it, um, and as an audience member, I felt like, okay, it was a kind of a carbon copy of, a new hope, which while I was not, I was expecting more originality, but I think that was more because I've seen so much and read so much of the extended universe. And I was like, all right, let's see what they can do without any preconceived notions from like, you know, pre-built George Lucas stuff. And even though it didn't do a lot of that, I'll still get a pretty high score for the fact that it did a lot right for taking a beloved franchise, essentially rebooting it, but also making it a sequel series and establishing the lore for the next two, you know, for the next trilogy. So for the next two films after it, Hmm. which it, it succeeded in that regard. It's just, it really comes down to personal taste of, did you want something as a carbon copy or did you want something more original? And, you know, and the way I grade things is more of not just how I felt about it, but what, what was it trying to do and did it succeed? And I felt like, while I may not have been me personally, I would probably, as if I was just going off my own biases, I'd say, yeah, probably more a seven, but I would say eight, eight, eight and a half for what it was set out to do. Um, it definitely nailed it. So I would, that's that's my justification for it. 
Yeah, I, I would be right there with you. I would say if I were to give it a lower grade, it would be a seven and a half to eight. Eight, solid eight, though. Um, it was everything I wanted in a Star Wars film in 2015. You know, after, you know, seeing the prequels, you know, growing up watching four, five, six, then going to see, you know, one, two, and three, not being super satisfied with one, two, and three. I watched them and I liked them as a kid, not really knowing what was going to happen. I think they really knocked it out of the park, especially with Disney's first stab at, at a Star Wars thing. Now, yeah. um, are you, you, you mentioned the new, uh, a new hope a few seconds ago about like that being such a, an iconic film, which it is. Um, are you more in the camp of empire being the greatest of all time or a new hope being the greatest of all time? Star Wars wise. This is just a kind of a bonus question. <laughs> oh, Star Wars wise. Um, I think Empire Strikes Back is the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. That's my opinion. I would agree. If that's my personal favorite. A but, New Hope would be a, a close <laughs> second. Like, yeah, I, I would say A New Hope is the most accessible in terms, like, as far as like, if I were to show someone who is not into Star Wars at all, all right, what is Star Wars about? Give me an elevator pitch or you know, recommend me something that you think would get me hooked. I would probably do a new hope just because while Empire is the better movie, and it definitely has the introduction to Yoda, which really boosts it in a lot of people's minds, I think, too. Um, a New Hope was a, a simple story, but yet it was a different take on your, your typical you know, guy rescues princess, you know, fall in love. And they go, you know, he saves the day and they go off and hap happily ever, ever after type deal. And that, that that's a very simple story to follow. And a tale that is, you know, you, you are, you know, reading or seeing about from when you're a kid to it, to an adult. So seeing a different take on a, such a, a, you know, old tropey, storyline um i feel like that would be the best you know one to show from a first time now once you're into star wars empire adds layers and layers of like new lore like you know you have hoth and then you have yoda which add more lore to the jedi and hoth was just a totally different you know battlefield we've never seen before and i felt like that was um you know, as a Star Wars fan, without getting too more too long winded, um, Empire enhances the experience, but A New Hope is kind of that beginning of that experience. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it just set like like you said. I think A New Hope really just sets that foundation, and I think that's kind of kind of the hope, no pun intended, with with the Force Awakens. So. Um, Rich, anything else you want to say quickly about The Force Awakens, your thoughts, your your just overall opinion of what we discussed tonight or today? Uh, I'd say we discussed it fairly well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we pretty much touched on everything except for probably maybe Maz. Um, anything you want to say about Maz real quick? I thought she was funny. I thought she was funny. I think that was the one, like when you were saying earlier about the pristine look of it, I would say that's the one area where it's like, okay, Maz's castle was kind of like this Jabba's palace for good guys type thing. And I love her her crush on on Chewbacca. Yeah. 
and you know, it was it was a throw, kind of not not say a throwaway character, but um, yeah, she really wasn't you know a big role, but it did at least that scenery did kind of break up the the cleanness of just the pristine of the first orders, you know, inside their ships and. You know, besides Jakku, it's kind of like, well, we don't really see that many disorganized plant, you know, and that was kind of more fun to see that side of uh, Star Wars. But um, yeah, you know, besides that, it was really, I think, touched on everything pretty well. Yeah, I would agree. So, uh, yeah, Rich, thanks so much for taking some time to, to join us on Nerd Talk this week. Um, hopefully, we can get you to come back uh, if we've not you know, scared you off by any means, but uh, hopefully get you back when, when, when our fearless leaders back on the pod with us, Jordan Halstead. Um, so yeah, Rich, thanks for joining us, joining us. Uh, and if you guys are listening for the first time, make sure you subscribe. Um, we're on all major platforms, Spotify, uh, Amazon music, iTunes. And if you want to follow us on social, we have Facebook and Instagram. It's nerd talk with Jordan Halstead across the board. Uh, our main form of social is TikTok. We're posting stuff every day. Um, some of it's comedic, some of it's uh, just questions. We just want to really engage with our audience there. So if you can, uh, follow us there and engage with us on social, and we will be sure to get back to you. So again, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on Nerd Talk.